Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. So the election happened this past week. How you been doing with it? It's been a pretty stressful week as we've anxiously awaited the announcement of who the next president of the United States would be. And uh, that announcement has finally come. It's been a tough week. And this week I'm going to talk about dealing with anxiety and the end of the world. But before I talk about anxiety and the end of the world, I want to play a little inspirational music from the 1980s. You know the band, R.E.M. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. That's great, it starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, turn world serves its own needs. Dummy, serve your own needs. Beat it up and not speak, grunt, no strength. The ladder starts to clatter with fear. You know, I gotta say, you gotta admire somebody who can take all the anxieties and worries of the world that existed in 1987, like R.E.M. did, and turn it into a catchy, fun song. I I think it's just so poetically ironic that somebody could take a song about the end of the world and say, hey, this is fun, and I'm okay with it. (laughs) Uh, I think there's uh, a lesson to be learned in the... Finding sanity in the insane um, and making light of weighty issues. Um, because, I, you know, honestly, I think we need a little bit more of that. Um, and somebody might be able to say, well, how can you dare trivialize that? Don't you know all the bad things that are going to happen as a result of so-and-so gaining power? And, well, you know, maybe there's a hint of truth in that criticism. Um... I reject such thinking because for all the the bad things that could potentially happen as a result of uh, certain political candidates obtaining political power with political parties and all that stuff, I think that uh, much there's always a much hullabaloo about nothing at the end of the day when it comes to these jokers that we elect to be our presidents and to direct the uh, the direction of uh, our nation because that's not to say and to minimize uh, the bad things politicians do they they certainly do but it's kind of par for the course folks and most of us you know for all the bad things that may happen in this country I think most of us manage to escape um, a lot of the bad things that happen in this 
in this country as a result of the political actions or inactions of certain politicians and the policies and things that they put in place. Um, as much as we'd like to think that politics is uh, just this all-consuming thing that just, you know, impacts our daily lives, the truth of the matter is, for the most part, for most of us, most politicians will have very little impact on our day-to-day lives. That's not to say that they don't occasionally. I, certainly coronavirus has shown that the government has the ability to intervene in our lives and shut down businesses and you know force us all to live in little huddles. And that definitely impacts our lives, without a doubt. But even in the worst case of scenarios, most of us still don't feel all that much of an impact from the politicians and the powers that be. Um, and when we do, we usually find ways to, to deal with it, right? Because we're Americans. <laughs> um, but anyway, how has your anxiety been this week? Because of the election, I think a lot of people have been on edge. People have been nervous about the wrong person getting elected. And Americans all over have been concerned about the integrity of the elections or the lack thereof. And above all, we've been nervous about the possible changes that will come into the future depending on who wins the election. I admit, I've kind of been a little edge on myself. Um, Even though I was ultimately destined to be disappointed at the outcome of the election because I didn't vote for either Donald Trump or Joe Biden... I found them to both be terrible candidates that I could not in good conscience vote for. Uh, And since my ballot had the opportunity for me to write in somebody else's name on the ballot, I actually voted for myself. (laughs) Uh, I'm kind of curious to see if there's going to be a report somewhere on some election website, if I can find my name on the election uh, outcome. They, they They probably don't report you know, the write-in ballots, because they're so small, they just group us all together. But I made history this week. (laughs) I digress. But anyway, I was destined to be disappointed because I'm not going to like the outcome of the election. And, you know, I'm not thrilled with Joe Biden looking like he won, even though Donald Trump contests that and is going to challenge it all the way to the Supreme Court. But right now, it looks like Joe Biden has won and will be our 46th President of the United States. Um, but you know, could be surprised that may not end up being the case. Maybe Donald Trump will, uh, successfully challenge Joe Biden in the courts and, uh, be the next 46th president of the United States. Who knows? But anyway, um, I think we've all can admit that this week, whatever your political stance is, whether you're a Joe Biden supporter, whether you're a Trump supporter, or whether you're none of the above, I think we've all experienced some sort of collective anxiety of not knowing on the night of the election who won and all the drama that has unfolded since then and all the drama that's still yet to unfold. I admit, I too hit the refresh button on my browser screen a million times this week as I seeked to track the news and find out what the latest update was on who won the election. Never mind that I already have like news push notifications on my phone um, that alert me the second something major happens 
um, for all the news outlets that I have apps for on my sm smartphone. It wasn't enough for me to have those apps on my smartphone. I had to sit there and just keep hitting the refresh button, just like I guess everybody else was doing. In this past week in America, we certainly were an anxious bunch, to say the least. The election happened. Would Trump win? Would Biden win? Would the Democrats usher in the so-called blue wave in which they controlled the presidency, the House, and the Senate? Would 2021 end up becoming a year in which America officially transitions into a democratic socialist state and communism? Would there, would there be riots in the streets? Would we have massive voter fraud? And would the election be viewed as illegitimate? Would we have a civil war? Um, would the election be contested and ultimately decided by the Supreme Court or people with rifles staring one another down in the streets? Uh, you know, all these things that are, have been things that have certainly been floating through people's minds, and we've seen no shortage of expression and angst uh, on social media and on the streets about how all this is resolving. Um, there's certain been, certainly been a big buildup in the tensions that we are experiencing as a society, as the, as the anxiety levels we all experience go through the roof. But what is anxiety, you might ask? I'm no clinical psychologist, uh, so I'm not going to give you a clinical psychologist form or definition of the term of anxiety. Although I have taken some anxiety colleges or uh, some psychology classes in college and read a thing or two and talked to some therapists over the years about such things and read some books and whatnot. Um, but you might ask, what is anxiety? And what I like to define anxiety, it's kind of a form of suffering at the end of the day, right? It's a certain psychological response that we all engage in that causes us to experience the sufferings of events that have yet to happen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a form of torture we kind of inflict on ourselves. We get worried about the future. We wonder what's going to happen. And we kind of try to start coping about it. It's, it's kind of like uh, when, when the car in front of you on the interstate suddenly slams on its brakes and you slam on your brakes in response uh, and you kind of feel that tension, that moment of holding your breath and be like, am I going to hit this guy in the rear end? Uh, and, and, you know, we, we kind of have this collective feeling as a nation right now when it comes to the election, um, when it comes to dealing with the response of it. Uh, and that, that is through anxiety and stress and this just collective, I don't know what's going to happen if I'm going to be able to stop in time. Uh, but we kind of brace for impact um, just the same. So that's kind of what anxiety is. It's that embrace of impact. It's that suffering we inflict upon ourselves psychologically as we anticipate uh, the worst of possible outcomes before they ever happen. Um, anxiety is us living in the present as if doomsday is happening right now. We're afraid over the future events that have yet to materialize and we kind of start panicking about it before it ever happens. Someone once said that fear is just an acronym that stands for false evidence appearing real. And never is fear more alive than when our thoughts and imaginations are left to run wild about the future. Especially if we think we have a well-informed opinion and believe the possibilities that 
um, and the potential outcomes of current events um, and what's going to happen as a result. So we think we know and we think we're in the know and we believe we're in the know. And so we start daydreaming um, in a very fearful fit of rage about what the future holds. What's it going to mean for our children? What's it going to mean for our nation? What's it going to mean for for my family and my ability to get a job and to put a roof over my head and to deal with my um, medical issues and to deal with social issues related to race and justice and the environment and, and all that fun stuff. And, and we sit there and think, well, if, if we have a certain opinions on certain issues um, and we believe certain politicians are the answers to certain issues, and if those politicians don't get in power, then it's all just doom and gloom and everything's going to be terrible um, and the second coming of Jesus is getting ready to happen. We're going to see the skies part. We're going to see uh, hail and fire and brimstone and pestilence and every terrible possible thing. All because somebody won an election. But you know, I think most of these fears that we tell ourselves about the future are ultimately just lies. There are lies that we tell ourselves to, to give our sense, ourselves a sense of control uh, over that which we cannot control. It's kind of like this defensive mechanism that we use, and it, it brings us a sick sense of comfort. You know, for some reason, and I don't know why, I don't know why it's addicting. Maybe a clinical psychologist could tell us, but anxiety and fear kind of becomes this drug that we just constantly inject ourselves with and it's something we enjoy and I find it bizarre because you know all it does is get us all wound up in a tight little knot and causes us to you know just become crippled in the present it keeps us from being able to take on decisive actions in the present and it keeps us from being able to even enjoy the moments uh, that are happening right now because we're anticipating doomsday. Uh, we sort of somehow import the future into the present. Uh, and it's not just enough to experience the horrors of doomsday when doomsday actually happens and when the apocalypse actually happens. Um, but for some reason, we, we find some sort of comfort in importing the doomsday apocalyptic scenarios that we imagine into the present. I don't know why that is. It seems kind of stupid when you think about it. <laughs> Yet, as creatures, as these human creatures that we are, we just can't but help ourselves and to be anxious about the future and to run with a wild sense of imagination about the in future, about the future and to import it into the present. Yet, that's the very thing we do, and we love to do it, especially when it comes to the world of politics. I don't know why, other than I think it gives us that sense of control that even though we think these terrible things are going to happen, somehow we are coping in the presence by tapping that drug uh, inside of our brains that fires off anytime we get fearful. Um, and I don't know why that happens to us and how that happens to us, you know, 
Go search the internet. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't do enough prep work or you know read enough psychology books in college to tell us why. Maybe I should have invited a therapist. Um, but you know, I'm I'm not a guru. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy who's had to deal with his own sense of anxieties and fears over the years. I come from a long line of professional warriors. <laughs> uh, you know, my my siblings and I we're, we're experts at it. Uh, I I can't approach a woodpile in my backyard without hearing the voice of my mom tell me to worry about snakes and ticks. <laughs> you know, even though my mom lives in Virginia and I live here in North Carolina, uh, somehow I still hear her voice in the back of my head as I approach that woodpile to, to, to you know, make a nice comfortable um, fire pit in my backyard to uh, keep myself warm and to have a good time. That, that time doesn't start without me starting to think of, snakes and ticks because I'm grabbing into a mysterious wood pile and who knows what's living there, right? <laughs> and I always had that fear in the back of my head that was planted in me at an early age. And, you know, here I am approaching 40 and it's still with me. It's kind of weird. But it happens, right? And I think we can all relate to that. We all have had to deal with it. We're all experts uh, in fear and anxiety and worry um, about the future. Yet it's interesting. For all the things that we worry about, have you ever noticed? 95% of them never happen. So that's, to me, either a great sign that worrying works. It must be this great, uh, it must be this great tool God has given us to combat the future. <laughs> because, you know, 95% of the things we worry about never materialize in this world. And all of our projections about the future and all the doomsday scenarios... We envision never materialize. So maybe doomsday will never happen because we constantly worry about it, right? I think really the truth of the matter is we are terrible prophets when it comes to attempting to predict the future. We just don't have a very good crystal ball. And even the most informed individual, even the, the experts, when it comes to predicting the future, when it either comes to finance or business or politics or religion or, you know, what have you, we're just unable to predict it. Um, and I think this is especially true when it comes to political arenas. Um, we're especially bad about predicting the future. Um, like I've said, I'm in my late 30s. Um, I've been very politically active, uh, to some degree for decades. I keep up on the what, what's up, <laughs> you know, what's happening. I pay attention to the news. I pay attendant, attention to the pundits, the prognosticators. I listen to the news. I read books. I follow podcasts and I pay attention to what's happening in the world and, and why it's happening. Um, I, I try to, my best to understand uh, every day when I wake up, what the world I am walking to is walking into every day is going to look like. I keep an ear out for uh, people, um, you know, what they think might happen. Experts, I, I value expert opinions. I know not everybody does these days, but I, I do value expert opinions because I admit I'm no expert. And while I have uh, the certain little areas of my life that I do have expert knowledge in, such as mortgage and maybe even some Bible stuff, I dare say. Um, you know, I, when it comes to 
world events and what's happening um, and the political arenas, the financial arenas, and all that sort of stuff. I admit that I'm at best an armchair uh, sort of knowledge person with it. I can talk a good game in a coffee shop if you need me to talk a good game. I can run a podcast that I think, uh, you know, I think occasionally brings insightful information to you, my listeners. And I know you love listening to me as I love listening to me, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, if anything I've learned over the years, when it comes to all of our political prognosticators and experts, you know, at best, they have a general sense of what trajectory we're heading to. Um, and they can tell what direction the wind is blowing. But events seldom work out, as they say. Am I right? Even when one political party is completely in power, their ability to take dramatic actions that result in great changes are difficult, if not near impossible. They may cast some sort of uniform vision of the future and what things they would like to see, but at the end of the day, when the sausage gets made, nobody likes to see how the sausage gets made, but when the sausage gets made, what ends up getting passed through Congress and whatever laws and policies get enacted, they seldom end up becoming the worst or best case scenarios that people uh, hype, hope, and fear over. Am I right? You know, I, I've, I've lived long enough to see when all the Republicans were uh, controlling all the branches of government. I've lived long enough to see when all the Democrats have controlled all the branches of government. And I've lived long enough to see a pretty good mix of when each party controls a little bit, but not fully. Um, and all I know is that even when the most ideal legislation is starting to be passed and when all the political actors are seemingly on the same page, whatever laws they end up passing end up being just a shell of what was originally envisioned or promised. Um, nothing ever quite materializes like they say. Donald Trump kept promising a big, beautiful wall that Mexico was going to pay for in his last administration. And people were fearful over the impact that this would have on immigrants um, and, you know, our relationship with the rest of the world and all sorts of things. And people were, uh, uh, people were for it and people were against it. And people had very strong opinions about this wall that Donald Trump kept promising. Yet here we are four years later. And of the couple thousand miles that stretch the Mexican-United States border, um, only a couple hundred miles of that wall managed to get built. And most of it was simply replacing wall that already existed. <laughs> so for all the vitriol, for all the political rhetoric, for all the things that people envisioned about how great and awesome and beautiful or wonderful and terrible this wall was going to be, None of that materialized. And I've seen things like this play out time and time again in my life. And my guess is there is nothing new under the sun. And 
that whatever you might think of Joe Biden, whatever you might think of Donald Trump, whatever you might think of whatever happened this election cycle, um, you know, I'm just kind of here to tell you today, practically speaking, you don't have to be afraid. But at the same time, don't have a, a great sense of hope either. <laughs> Politicians do one thing and one thing well, and that is disappoint everybody. <laughs> they disappoint their own constituents. They disappoint their own enemies. Um, things are never as good as they promise and never as bad as they promise. And I think, you know, whatever you think of the outcome of this election... Take it all with a grain of salt. You know, I don't believe Joe Biden's going to bring healing in his wings. Uh, and all of a sudden, America is just going to be this great place where uh, healing happens and reconciliation happens and justice happens. And the kingdom of God comes forward. Nor do I believe it's going to be this uh, apocalyptic doomsday communist takeover where we're going to just be calling each other comrade and uh, having all of our property and guns stolen and our religious liberties trampled on. And that's not to say some of a little of all the above may indeed happen. You know, there's a very real sense in which some of those things, good and bad, may happen. But at the end of the day, I have a, I have a hunch. I have a feeling that uh, it's probably going to be okay in the end, you know? Some good things will happen. Some bad things will happen. And that's all that is going to happen. Because at the end of the day, there's so many competing factions. Even when a party is unified, um, vying to get their political policies passed, that uh, all those factions within a political party war with one another. In the end, they don't produce anything as good as what anybody ever thought could be produced. We've seen this... Time and time again. And I don't need to sit here and rehash history for you. Um, and I don't need to sit here and tell you what all uh, has happened in the past. You can look it up. You can look what happened under uh, Trump. You can look up what happened under Obama. You can look at what happened under Bush. You can look at what happened under Clinton. You can look up what happened under Reagan. Um, none of these guys, even when they had all the, the cards uh, aligned and everything on their side managed to get through um, all sorts of terrible draconian measures that just ruined the world. Of course, that's not to minimize the bad they did. They certainly did bad, and they will do bad. They're politicians. That's what they do. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, some of them did some good. And I'm sure some of them will yet do some good. But that's just the way the world works, folks. Um, and, uh, that's how I anticipate it will play out in the future. So all of you who are predicting doomsday because of all the political changes that are happening, um, I need you to chill because it's not going to work out that way. It's just not. But fear certainly sells and everybody knows it, right? If there's anything news uh, outlets are good at, and if there's anything that politicians are good at, it's selling fear. They peddle in it much more than they do actual facts. 
That's why the moment something happens before we can even get all the facts and situations established, experts start getting dragged in front of cameras and on radio shows and podcasts to tell us what this means for the future. Fear sells, and all the powers that be ultimately know it. Financial gurus are always pumping a stock they know will buy because we have a fear of missing out. And because they say, oh, Bitcoin is going to $50,000, or Amazon's going to $10,000, or Apple's going to $500, or Tesla is going to this, or what have you. We, they, they pump those stocks and they say, oh, we have to hurry up and buy because if we don't buy, we're going to miss out on all the fortunes we could make. Right? And breaking news is always being announced every single day. There's not a day there's not a day a news outlet that doesn't report some form of breaking news being announced. And they do that every day just to keep us on the edge of our seat and watching TV or listening to the radio or a podcast so we can find out what terrible thing just happened and is getting ready to happen to us. Right? <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to see a day in which the news reported, well, you know, not too much happened, but nope. There's not a day that goes by where they don't have breaking news and a dramatic rolling of the cue and the music and somebody talking in a very hurried uh, manner to talk about uh, with great earnest this thing that is happening and is going to impact your life. And of course, politicians are always painting the worst possible scenarios if the other side gets elected and comes to power. It's just going to be a complete takeover of everything. And everything's going to change dramatically. Unless, of course, you elect me. Then I'm going to make everything wonderful. Everything is going to be great again, right? <laughs> I talk almost as if insane. So with all this said, what are we to do? You know, like I said, I'm no psychologist. I'm no guru. I'm just a guy who's had to learn to battle his own demons. And who comes from a lineage of professional worry warts. It's in my blood. Um, like I said, and it's just something I've personally had to learn to deal with. I, I, I've realized that in my own life, in my own thought life, in my own heart, um, I've been riddled with all sorts of anxieties and phobias and fears and um, things of that nature over the years. Um, I'm cur currently facing anxieties and fears and worries and concerns. Um, like I said on my podcast last week, you know, the place I work at has uh, started uh, to have some layoffs. Uh, layoffs that were promised by the CEO at the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, layoffs that some um, professional uh, financial forecasting people say, you know, our company may ultimately cut 50,000 jobs when it's all said and done so that we can be more in line with other companies that are similar size. Well, there's only 250 some odd thousand people where I work with, so you do the math uh, on that one and you'll find out 50,000 people being cut out of 250,000 plus people is, uh, makes, you, makes you a little worried that your job could be possibly cut. I, I know I've definitely, as somebody who has been laid off unexpectedly from work before, um, to know that this is kind of hanging above my head and that I could possibly be laid off. Um, and the difficulty that I might have in finding a new job in this, this COVID environment in which, uh, you know, maybe jobs are a little hard to come by. 
Um, you know, I'm not excited about those prospects. But I've learned I can't sit there and dwell on it. I've not been laid off yet. Yet. <laughs> um, I'm still getting a paycheck. They're still having me come in every day. So what can I do about it except to put my trust in God, to be aware that there's this situation that could unfold. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still need to show up just as I would every day to work and do my best. Um, maybe make some contingency plans, like build up my savings like I've been doing and uh, trying to network a little better, kind of trying to expand my LinkedIn account. <laughs> some of you may have got LinkedIn requests from me this week. Um, for those of you who I know that follow this podcast, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, this is something I'm having to cope with, something I'm having to deal with. Um, and the biggest thing I've learned about anxiety and dealing with future stress and doomsday types scenarios is that we'll never learn to overcome our anxieties and to rid ourselves of crippling levels of fear until we make a conscious decision to think about our thinking. Most of our anxiety comes from us simply thinking about things in the wrong way and mulling on it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we'll never overcome our anxiety until we learn to recognize we've jumped aboard the crazy train and need to find a way off. Um, and that can be very difficult to do because in the, you get caught up in the moment without even thinking about your thinking, because after all, it's just thoughts rolling through your head that cause most of this anxiety um, and most of the problems that we suffer from. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to discount at all people who have clinical medical anxiety-related issues. I don't want to trivialize such people who are suffering from chronic anxiety problems. Um, if that is you, I really do and highly encourage you to see a professional medical expert, to, to see a therapist, to see a psychologist who can help you work through your anxiety. And if you need to take medication in order to do such, I don't think there is any shame in it. But for those of you who don't have some medically diagnosed anxiety-related issue, who aren't having to take medicine, even if you are having to take medicine, um, you know, I kind of want to take some time to kind of to think about our thinking here and to teach you how you can better control your thought life. Um, because at the end of the day, that's going to really be the only way we can get around this, right? Uh, most of our anxiety is related to the thoughts that we think uh, that ultimately plague us, thoughts that we mull on, thoughts that we simply won't let go. Thoughts that cause us to jump on that proverbial crazy train that we just don't manage to get off. Um, and thoughts that we just allow to linger at the end of the day. So until we start thinking about our thinking and taking control of that thinking, I think we're bound to experience a lot of unnecessary anxiety. And I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy anxiety. I know we, we it seems like we do at times because we're so gosh darn ex uh, <laughs> addicted to it. Um, but if you were to sit there and think, do I enjoy my anxiety out loud? None of us would admit such, even though we might, you know, in practice seem like we actually enjoy anxiety. But I think most of us want to be rid of our anxiety. And if that's you, if you want to be free from the crippling 
uh, addiction of anxiety and the crippling thoughts that just seem to be taking your life downward. I want to take a moment in today's podcast and just provide some practical examples um, because like I said, we're all kind of dealing it right now. We're all in this transition of power um, in the political world and, uh, you know, I just want to give you some tips that no matter what you're dealing with in your life, whether it's political, whether it's personal or somewhere in between, uh, let's talk about how you can deal with your anxiety. My first tip would be simply recognize anxiety gets us nowhere. Uh, I have a great quote. I'm not sure how you say this person's last name, but I believe it's Jody Picoult. Uh, Jody said, anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. For all of our addiction to anxiety and our love of worry, we need to confess and recognize that at the end of the day, we can rock back and forth as much as we want, but we're going nowhere fast. Uh, I don't know of any problem that I've ever had in my life that anxiety has been the cure for. So let us simply recognize that anxiety is not this thing that's going to help us do too much in our life. Let us recognize that it's just like a rocking chair that we just rock back and forth. And we get up a good speed and we get up a good pace. And it may bring us some sort of weird twisted sense of comfort. And I don't know why it does, but it does. But let us recognize at the end of the day, it's never got us an inch further into solving our problems. So let us see anxiety instead of as this great coping mechanism that we seem to love, this, this defensive mechanism that seems to bring us a sick sense of comfort um, when it actually just produces nothing but worry. It, it gives us a sense of control, but I don't think, I think that control is just an illusion at the end of the day, right? Um, so let us recognize anxiety is not going to help us and let us move forward in our lives. Two, we need to recognize we are our own worst enemy. George Bernard Shaw once said, people become attached to their burdens, sometimes more than the burdens are attached to them. I think we make a lot about our problems, that the problem's actually not as big as we would really admit. We amplify our problems uh, and make them bigger than life, when in reality, most of our problems are not bigger than life. Unless you have been diagnosed with some sort of terminal disease, um, you know, your problems probably aren't that big at the end of the day, right? That's not to say that they, that we don't all face terrible burdens and that we don't all have some sort of problem in our life, but anxiety is not going to make those burdens any lighter, are they? And those burdens often weigh us down greater uh, than the actual problem itself. Um, so we thrash around irrationally at the end of the day. And uh, the problems that we have just become all the more problematic. We go on Facebook and launch a tirade in some sort of passive aggressiveness uh, about our problems <laughs> and about people that cause those problems whether they're individuals in our lives or individuals we see on the TV and in the news, you know, we, we, we toss those out there and we cause ourselves to be burdened with things that we weren't ultimately meant to lift on our own. 
Yeah, we try. We try and try and do that. When we need to realize that in all that, our enemies aren't the people we're seeing on the news. Our enemy's not Donald Trump. Our enemy's not Joe Biden. Our enemy is not whatever problem that is being thrown in our face on the nightly news. We are our own problem. We are our own worst enemy. Um, and we will get ourselves worked up to a great fit and a great fury. And we will, you know, cast that fit and fury on those around us and people will hear us roar. Really the problem is not so much what we're seeing in the news as it is ourselves. Number three, we have a false solution. Anxiety, according to Charles Spurgeon, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties us today of our strength. So we think anxiety is going to help us. We think worry is going to help us. But really all that worry, all that anxiety is just keeping us from addressing today's problems and the things that we can take control of and the things that we can do today to make our lives better. And so we, we, but we panic and we freak out and we get fearful and anxious about tomorrow, you know, but in reality, it just sucks us dry for today. And we feel too tired to do anything about the thing that we see coming towards us. And our hearts fail us and our strength fails us and we simply fail to act as we should in response to those things out of concern and, and fear of the things that have yet to come instead of being able to just deal with today. Number four, we must make a choice. A couple good quotes here that I found. Uh, Dorothy Niedermeyer said, life is 10% what you experience, and 90% how you respond to it. Wayne Dyer said, you can't always control what goes on on the outside, but you can control what goes on on the inside. And the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we are to take every thought captive and present it to obedience for Christ. At the end of the day, whatever problems are face, we are facing, we need to be a people who make a choice and we need to be a people of action because simply being inactive and passive and allowing all our worries and fears to plague us will cripple us in making a choice today. So, so far as it is in our ability to make a choice, so far as it is our ability to control what we're thinking right now, we need to make that choice. And we need to do as the Apostle Paul says, we need to learn to take every thought captive. So we need to recognize when we're having these thoughts that are plaguing us, these fears and anxieties and these irrationalities that are just overwhelming us and causing us to drown, we need to realize those are just thoughts going through our head at the end of the day. And whatever con genuine concerns we may even have about the future, even when those concerns are legitimate, um, and we do have reason to dread about the future, we need to take those thoughts captive set them aside, and allow ourselves to take control of what's going on on the inside. Um, because how we respond to things is much more important than the supposed outcomes 
of those things. We may not be able to control the outcomes of life and the things that happen in this world, but we can choose how we respond to it. So let us make the best choice possible in any situation. Let us choose how we are to respond, what type of person we're going to be, the character, the resolve we will have, and the actions we ultimately choose to make in response to those concerns about the future. But in order to do that, number five, we've got to live in the present and trust God with everything. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 in his famous Sermon on the Mount, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for the body as to what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spend. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into a furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear for clothing? For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, there's an old spiritual that sings uh, a song about how God has his eye on the sparrow, therefore he has his eye on me. It's a beautiful song. I encourage you to listen to it if you can find it online. Uh, God, God has his eye on the sparrow. You know, the ultimate thing I take away from this passage that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, we need to live in the presence. Or as an old friend uh, of mine used to say, we need to learn to live in the quote-unquote now. Live in the now, he used to say. And I think that's our biggest problem. Like, we get so torn up about the future, yet we can't even be bothered to look outside. Even as I record this podcast now, I look outside and I see the beautiful color of the fall leaves starting to change. I see the green grass in my backyard. I see the blue sky and the white clouds. It's a 70-degree day here in North Carolina uh, in the fall. <laughs> it's a beautiful, gorgeous day out. And yet, there's so much to be concerned about for the future. Like I said, I'm not concerned about my job. There's political concerns that we all have. We all got a lot to be concerned about at the end of the day. But as I sit right now, I sit in a beautiful home with a roof above my head, clothes on my back, I have a warm, delicious cup of coffee here in a mug next to me, as well as some water. I have a, a, a laptop in front of me. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I have a, you know, I have a, a beautiful wife. I, I, I have food in my fridge. Life's good. 
And while I will say I acknowledge that not everybody is as well off as I am, I definitely, I know what it's like to be well off and I know what it's like to be poor and I know what it's like to suffer want and I know what it's like to have abundance and everything in between. Um, one thing I've learned, no matter what my station in life, one thing that the Gospels and Jesus has taught me, I need to embrace the present and trust God with it all. If God cares for stupid little birds and the grass that's out in my backyard, <laughs> how much more does God not care for me? As somebody created in the image of likeness of God, in whom Jesus Christ ultimately died for on a cross, uh, who was concerned with the very number of the hairs on my head. You know, how can I get so anxious about life knowing that I have a God who cares for me and who loves me and who wants what is best for me? So that's not to, you know, minimize the, the, the troubles of life and, the, you know, the, the, the things that we face. You know, we face terrible things in life at times. Sometimes life is difficult, loved ones pass, people come down with sickness, poverty is a real thing, injustice is a real thing, um, and there are some real terrible things out there. There are people out there in this world who want to harm you and to do you uh, no good um, and to take advantage of you. But with all that said, look up. Acknowledge that God is taking care of you. Learn to see that the grass that you're planted on is plenty green. Um, and if you acknowledge that the Lord is your shepherd, trust that he's taking care of you. And trust that he will take care of you. Each day has its own problems. Worry about today. But ultimately, leave it all up in the hands of God, right? Because ultimately all these things are outside of our control all we can do is control the things that we do. <laughs> and the outcomes to all these things in life are ultimately in the hands of God. And that's where we need to leave them. Do your best. Act as an individual with character and integrity. Put your trust in God through it all. And I think we'll be okay. And point number six Turn your TV off, folks, and find good things to think about. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension and understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is anything of excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So if you want the peace of God to rule in your life, if you want to live a life free from the crippling fears that haunt your mind, free from the anxieties that weigh on your soul, turn TV off, turn Facebook off, turn Twitter off. Do whatever it is you need to do to ultimately control your thoughts. 
Because I've learned anything over the years, if you constantly sit there and feed your mind garbage, and frankly, a lot of what happens on TV and social media is garbage, especially when it comes to the news and social commentary and all that fun stuff, don't sit there and dwell and think about those things. Because if you notice, they report things that aren't happening in your life. <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time, the things that you're seeing on the news is happening somewhere else in the world far from you. And politicians and news pundits love to make what's happening something far away, make it seem like it's something that's happening in your living room. And that's not to minimize don't get me wrong, that's not to minimize terrible things that do happen in this world and things that we need to be concerned about, especially when it comes to injustices happening to other people. Um, we need to make sure we fight for justice and to live in a, a just society and to, to love our neighbor and to respond to those in need. But when it comes to politicians and pundits and news people uh, telling you the current terrible thing that's happening and why it's such a terrible thing for you and how... Uh, everything in the world is just going to end up in a cataclysmic, uh, cosmic uh, waste heap. <laughs> and why it's all going to burn down to the ground tomorrow unless you, you know, tune in tomorrow at 6 to find out more. Um, you know, dwell on the good things. Live with the spirit of thanksgiving. Pray, seek the Lord, be anxious for nothing. Make your requests known to God. And the scriptures promise that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. So if you want to be free from the fears of the things that plague this world and that probably plague you right now, put your thoughts on the things above and dwell on those things that are good. Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is beautiful, whatever is wonderful and something that you should delight in, think, the Apostle Paul said, on those things. Don't sit there and be weighed down with the things that drag you down and all the negative things going on in this world. Yes, you should be aware of those things. I'm not telling you to live some sort of sheltered existence away from the realities of the world we live in. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't dwell on the beautiful, wonderful things. Dwell on the things that are above. Dwell on all the good things that God is doing to you in this life instead of all the bad things that the news is telling you is going to happen to you from some boogeyman. God is bigger than your boogeyman. So think on the things the good things that God has given you in this life. Dwell on them. Take control of your thought life, people. Instead of dwelling on the bad, dwell on the beautiful. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 85. It's the end of the world as we know it. And guess what? I feel fine. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to share it with others. Be sure to like uh, and on Facebook, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. Um, you know, if you can give this show a five-star review, uh, it's available for you to do so on Apple. I highly encourage it. Um, be sure to uh, be sure to like this, share it with others, leave your five-star reviews, and above all, I love and value your feedback. So email me, Jimmy at Jimmy'sTable.com. 
Um, give me your thoughts about how you cope with the end of the world as we know it, um, how you deal with anxiety. Maybe share with me your story. Um, I love to l listen to them whenever you uh, write me, although not too many of you write me by email. It's occasionally happened. Most of you interact with me on Facebook. Most of you interact with me on Twitter, and I love that too. Um, so be sure to check out jimmystable.com um, where you can subscribe to this podcast. You can either do it by a newsletter or you can do it by uh, going to wherever you listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all the other wonderful places that podcast get broadcast. So be sure to subscribe if you have not done so already. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Have a good one, everybody. God bless. Take care. Air smudge.